Fourth Sunday in Ordinary Time Prayer Psalm 146 How blessed is he who has Jacob's God to help him. His hope is in Yahweh, his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them. He keeps faith forever, gives justice to the oppressed, gives food to the hungry. Yahweh sets prisoners free. Yahweh gives sight to the blind, lifts up those who are bowed down. Yahweh protects the stranger. He sustains the orphan and the widow. Yahweh loves the upright, but he frustrates the wicked. Yahweh reigns forever. Your God, Zion, from age to age. Reading the Word First reading Zephaniah chapter 2 Seek Yahweh, all you humble of the earth, who obey his commands. Seek uprightness, seek humility. You may perhaps find shelter on the day of Yahweh's anger, but in you I shall live surviving a humble and lowly people, and those who are left in Israel will take refuge in the name of Yahweh. They will do no wrong, will tell no lies, nor will a deceitful tongue be found in their mouth, but they will be able to graze and rest with no one to alarm them. Second reading, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Consider, brothers, how you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, not many influential, not many from noble families. No, God chose those who by human standards are fools to shame the wise. He chose those who by human standards are weak to shame the strong. Those who by human standards are common and contemptible. Indeed, those who count for nothing. To reduce to nothing all those that do count for something. So that no human being may feel boastful before God. It is by him that you exist in Christ Jesus, who for us was made wisdom from God, and saving justice and holiness and redemption. As scripture says, if anyone wants to boast, let him boast of the Lord. Gospel, Matthew chapter 5. Seeing the crowds, you went onto the mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak. This is what he taught them. How blessed are the poor in spirit, the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are the gentle, they shall have the earth as inheritance. Blessed are those who mourn, they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for uprightness, they shall have their fill. Blessed are the merciful, they shall have mercy shown them. Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. 
Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be recognized as children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted in the cause of uprightness. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are you when people abuse you and persecute you and speak all kinds of calumny against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. This is how they persecuted the prophets before you. Hearing the word, uncertainty and confidence. The last Sunday's first reading was set in the context of the tragic fate of one part of the divided kingdom of David. The northern kingdom called Israel, which Isaiah described as the land covered in darkness. This Sunday, we look at the southern kingdom, Judah, through the eyes of another prophet, Zephaniah. His oracles come from a troubled period of gradual disintegration of the once glorious kingdom. One of its last kings, Manasseh, was so unfaithful to God and treacherous towards God's faithful that judgment was decreed on Judah and Jerusalem. The southern kingdom was to follow the fate of its northern sister and be destroyed by the Babylonians. This had come to pass some 40 years after Zephaniah had spoken. In this context, the first reading says before us the essential theme of this Sunday's liturgy, the tension between uncertainty that exists in the life of every person of faith. The prophet begins by disclosing that God pronounced judgment upon the unfaithful kingdom of Judah its kings and its people. He calls it nation without shame, which will be driven away. Facing the impending disaster brought about by infidelity to God's covenant, the prophet calls for seeking the Lord through humble observance of God's law and pursuit of justice. The judgment had been decreed, yet there is hope for the humble and the just. The prophet emphasizes uncertainty of the future by stating that God perhaps will save the humble and just. There is great uncertainty reflected in his words. Given the distressing circumstances of the time, an awareness that judgment had been decreed with the humble experience, God's intervention. The second part of the oracle reflects another attitude. The word perhaps disappears. It is replaced with the absolute confidence of the prophets that God will live a remnant, people humble and lowly. These are the few who followed the advice of being humble and just. They are promised rest and peace, signs of God's salvation. Zephaniah's oracle reflects the tension between uncertainty and confidence that comes from living as God's faithful in the midst of the nation that has gone astray. Another type of tension is evident in the words of St. Paul to the Corinthians. This troubled community was deeply divided. However, in this passage, the apostle does not address internal conflict, 
by the tension between the Christians and the larger Greek society they were a part of. The world of Paul and early Christians was permeated by the culture of honor and shame. Pursuit of honor being wealthy, powerful, wise in words, and independent defined the goal of human life for many. Being honorable meant position of high standing in the eyes of fellow people and the society. In this context, Paul emphasizes that Christian life is not about the pursuit of that type of honor. He implores the Corinthians to refrain from judging themselves according to society's standards. Instead of pursuing power, wealth, and significance, he admonishes adherence to Christ. Christ, according to the standards of the society, lived a shameful and dishonorable life because he came into conflict with the society and suffered a death reserved for criminals. Following him, Christians are to pursue different goals and values, not the ones acknowledged and followed by the society. His admonition ruled and did place the Corinthians in a situation of inevitable tension within their own society. This Sunday, we begin the journey through the first great discourse of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, the famous Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, presented by Matthew as the new Moses, delivers here a set of fundamental instructions which provide the framework for the life of his followers, the disciples. It begins with the well-known passage called the Beatitude. Beatitude is a literary form which shows a connection between an action or attitude and its outcome. By calling this blessed, the Beatitude exhausts the faithful to follow a particular way of behaving and living. It is immediately obvious that the behaviors and attitudes recommended by Jesus as blessed are not the ones normally adopted and followed by the people within the society. Poverty in spirit, the attitude of reliance on God rather than on one's own powers and efforts, is the opposite from self-sufficiency and independence which people ardently pursue in life. Mourning, being troubled by the world and its ways, is not the emotion felt by those who welcome and follow the established society ways. Meekness. Humility and modesty is not the way to secure one's social position. Hunger for righteousness. Insistence on justice and fairness in the society and community is popular with the powerful and poses the risk of ridicule. Mercy, the attitude of welcome and forgiveness, is often seen as a mark of weakness and powerlessness. Purity of heart, honesty and integrity in life often reduces the chances of enrichment and advancement in a society which favors dishonesty and manipulation. Peacemaking, pursuit of harmony in the community is difficult because it requires compromises and unpopular solutions to secure the rights of all, not only one's own. 
being persecuted for the sake of righteousness. The price one pays for upholding justice and integrity is not the situation that a person welcomes readily. Jesus attaches these attitudes and behavior to real people, his disciples, expecting that they would follow them as their manner of life. Yet, he knows that when they follow these eight attitudes, they are bound to live in tension with the larger society and even with their own family. All three readings indicate that uncertainties and tension are inevitable in the life of a person who follows God's ways in this world. Both Sephania and the Christian community at Corinth experienced that first-handed Jesus did not heed but difficulty either. On the contrary, he began his instructions by outlining the essential attitudes required for discipleship. The attitudes which stand in fundamental tension with the ordinary human expectations and ways. We have to acknowledge that such dichotomy, such tension, is perhaps an essential aspect of the life of a believer in this world. Yet these three readings have something else in common. They reflect unquestionable confidence that our God is trustworthy. The inevitable tension and uncertainty the readings reflect is accompanied by firm confidence in God's salvific action. The Beatitudes illustrates this unwavering confidence. Beautifully, the present tension will be resolved by God's intervention because only the values and attitudes set forth by God will endure in eternity. The right attitudes towards the very tension embedded in Christian life is the confidence in the trustworthiness of God and surety of His ways. The Psalms conveyed that very truth when He spoke about God as the maker of heaven and earth who keeps faith forever. Listening to the Word of God Many people down the centuries have gathered around Jesus to learn the words of eternal life. Many have been inspired by the power of his personality and compelling truth of his message. Two mountains, Sinai and the mountain of the Beatitudes, offer us the roadmap of our life and summary of our responsibilities to God and neighbor. The Ten Commandments point the way to law of love. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. You will love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus teaches that the way of love brings the law to fulfillment. He illustrated this truth through Beatitudes. It might appear 
strange that Jesus exalts those who the world generally regards as weak. We could perhaps, we could paraphrase and summarize the Beatitudes in this statement, Blessed are you who seem to be losers, because you are the true winners, the kingdom of heaven is yours. These words present a challenge of us living today, a challenge with demands, a deep challenge of heart. Why is this change of heart necessary? Because today we continue to hear a contradictory message, a voice which says, Blessed are the proud and violent, those who prosper at any cost, who are unscrupulous, pitiless, devious, who make poor not peace, and persecute those who stand in their way. We hear and see this message everywhere. It shouts at us from the TV screen, newspapers, and the very setup of our society, which advertises success in life regardless the cost, often through force, cheating, and even violence. This voice seems to make sense in a world where success is the measure of the good life, where the violent and dishonest often triumph and the devious seem to succeed. Yes, says the voice of evil. They are the ones who win. Happy are they. Jesus offers a very different message. He calls us to choose between the two voices competing for your heart the choice between good and evil, between his ways and the ways of the world and society at large. But he cautions us through the Beatitudes. The choice is not only between living in this or that way now. The choice is between life and death. To put your faith in Jesus means choosing to believe what he says, no matter how strange it may seem and live in the world belonging to his kingdom. It also means rejecting many of the ways that appear normal to us because so many follow them. It means choosing between the unpopular but lasting, the sensible and attractive but short-lived. Jesus himself did not merely speak the Beatitudes. He lived the Beatitudes. Looking at him, we see what it means to be poor in spirit, gentle and merciful, to mourn, to care for what is right, to be pure in heart, to make peace, to face persecution. This is why he has the right to say, come, follow me. His life guarantees that when we do follow him, we have chosen the right path, one which leads to life, eternal Life which you calls blessed. When you follow in the path of your father, you learn to walk with him. Action. Self-examination. Do I follow Jesus living out the Beatitudes, or does my life follow a different pattern? 
examine and honestly acknowledge which of the two you usually follow. Do I trust that living in the way Jesus taught is truly the right way to live, one which will give me a happy life? Response to God To be good Christians may seem beyond our strength in today's world, but Jesus does not stand by and leave us alone to face the challenge. My grace is enough for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 Trust him and his ways, and pray for the strength to be able to live according to his ways. Response to your world Choose of one particular attitude recommended by Jesus in the Beatitudes, one which seems most challenging for you. Think of a practical way you can implement it in your life. For one week, practice it with particular attention and awareness. As a group, identify one particular attitude recommended by Jesus in the Beatitudes that you could act upon as a group in your community context. Put it into practice and evaluate how you were able to implement it at a day you agree on today. Prayer Oh Lord Jesus Christ, listen to my heart. Teach me the truth of the commandments and the Beatitudes. Make me a joyful witness to your truth and convinced apostle of your kingdom. Be with me always, especially when following you and your gospel becomes difficult and demanding. Be my strength and victory. O Lord Jesus, you have made me your friend. Keep me forever close to you. Amen.